you know what, we've done church. Let's go home before the pastor messes it up. And that's what, I, that's what I've been thinking, honestly. I've been going, Lord, we have already, in a really sweet way, encountered your presence this morning. And, um, you know, sometimes and we, we, in this, this size of a room, we, we could probably articulate many, many, many different streams of the body of Christ that we individually grew up in. So there's so many different forms or ways in which we can approach God, not only on an individual basis in our times with the Lord throughout the week, but in a corporate expression, from exuberant dancing to reflective, quiet, to um, beautiful rooms, to plain rooms, to bright lights, to dim candles, we can create so many different ways and forms to approach God, but when we enter into His presence, it doesn't matter what form we entered by, the presence is the presence of God. And so we have encountered Him this morning. Um, and I, I said to Dan, I said, be, be ready, I'm not quite sure where I'm going this morning. <laughs> I'm not quite sure I'm going to preach my message. Because I have a few things that are going on in my mind that God stirred and reminded me of while we were in His presence. How many of you know that when you're in the presence of the Lord and you're open to what God is doing, He changes you? God, I remember the, one of the first encounter nights where it was, I think, I can't remember what we called it, but you were in a, a new journey with us 10 or 15 years ago and you prayed and God touched you with his presence and did something in you that was uniquely different than he'd ever, you know, ever experienced before. Just as I was looking at Dot, but I, I know that a hundred of us in this room or more that had those kind of encounters here in different ways. A little advertisement, um, me and my boys last night went to, to see Risen. Go see it. And take some people that haven't heard about Jesus with you. It's a really sweet and um, powerful proclamation of, of Jesus and his death for us, but also his resurrection that I think you'll really enjoy. I did a stupid thing this week, or actually the last few weeks. I did not plan well, which is not unusual for me at times. Got so busy doing things that I forgot to look ahead and um, realize that I'm, I'm leaving this afternoon to go join Laura and Isaac are um, in Texas. She was on a, on a retreat with some of her college friends. Isaac went to be with his grandparents, and we're going to meet in uh, Texas to visit our second oldest child, our, our daughter Annie, and get some time with her. And then I've got a few meetings with our, our missionary organization, Antioch Ministries, at the end of the week. And so that trip kind of afforded me the opportunity to take a couple extra days and love on my family. What I forgot was it was election week. And I forgot to get my absentee ballot. You're going, oh, no, he's going to preach about politics. (laughs) I am and I am not. I actually was really discouraged about it because I feel like 
the season that we're in in the country is so critical. But I want you to hear me say something. I, 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 feel, I feel like that because we are a democratic nation, there is something about submitting to our authority structure democratically that's important. We, in a sense, as people, carry authority, right? That's how our system is set up. We have representatives. We have talking figures or people that we elect to represent our authority because we vote these people into office. And we vote according to what is important to us. And in a sense, we say, here, take my authority, this one vote that collected with however many millions of votes, take my authority and do something with it. Right? So the election process is important. But what's even more important is what's going on in our nation. Because if we are ones who cede authority through voting, we reflect what we want and who we are. And we in this nation are not in a good place. Amen? And so when we see and feel and experience what we experience right now in our political process, our tendency in our flesh is to respond to a person. And our tendency is to allow our flesh to get stirred up to do something in our flesh or empower somebody in their flesh to do something for us. And again, it's part of the process that God's allowed or established allowed to happen in our nation. So I'm not speaking against the process or our government. I'm actually really thankful. But we should be seeing as believers, our eyes should be opening up to the reality that we are not in a good place with God as a nation. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I wonder how many of us are really broken inside for what we're seeing. That we're really desperate by what is being presented to us in this season. And it reminded me, and it reminds me of our call as people. 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. 2 Chronicles 7 is Solomon. The, the previous chapters, Solomon, um, they have built the temple of God where God's presence was going to reside, where the Ark of the Covenant was going to um, be, um, where the priests would go in day and night to minister to the Lord and present offerings to the Lord in worship and on, on behalf of the people. And they had just dedicated the temple. The presence of God had shown up. They had celebrated and worshipped God for days, just declaring His goodness because His presence was with them. And He is good and worthy to be worshipped. Amen? That's what we experienced this morning. 
We had a little temple worship this morning where we experienced the presence of God and we were just like, God, you're good. And something about the words and something that was said in the words stirred us. Something about the, the, the unity of voices and people shouting in one voice, God is good. There was something that was happening in the presence of God that was very similar to what was happening here in 2 Chronicles. And they had celebrated and they would worshipped and they had they'd rejoiced in the, the accomplishments of Solomon and the nation of building this beautiful, amazing temple. But not just this incredible physical edifice, but the presence, the glory of God, the fire and the smoke and the tangible presence of God had been seen and experienced. And after all of that, and all of that celebration, Solomon is, Solomon is in the presence of the living God, and God speaks to Solomon. And this is what he says. I have heard your prayers, and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. Now, ladies and gentlemen, in our day, do we have to go to a temple to do this anymore? What is the temple now? Good. i got lots of me. I am the temple. That's right. We, individually, but more importantly, we are a part, but more importantly, the church, collective, is the living temple of God. The ones who hold God's presence. We walked in today and we prayed ahead of time to, God, let this be a place where we encounter you. But when each one of you walked in, you brought, if you're a believer in Jesus, you brought the pres- a little more of the presence of God. And again, let's not be semantical. Can we bring actually any quantitative measure of the presence of God? No, he's too big for us. It's not like we, you know, we've got 85% of the presence of God <laughs> in the room. But what we did bring is an expectation and a worship in our hearts that, God, you're alive, and I believe in you, and I trust in you, and I don't know whatever experience you brought into the room, but as a believer in Jesus, we brought an anticipation to encounter the living God as the temple of the Holy Spirit, His very own place of abiding in us and among us. And he says to Solomon, verse 13, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, so my text for this morning was going to be Malachi 3 on tithes and offerings. For those of you who are happy that I'm not preaching on it, you can say amen. For those of you who are really discouraged, you could say, darn. But my text this morning was out of Malachi 3 on tithes and offerings. And it's interesting, in that text of Scripture, God talks about the the people of Israel post-exile back to the rebuilt temple now. Not honoring Him by their offerings and their lifestyle. They're going through the motions, but they're not really living a vibrant love relationship with God. They're not giving God their best or their all. And so Malachi tells them, you're robbing God. How are you robbing God? Because of your tithes and offerings. Because you're not trusting your full life and your full resources to God. And then he he goes on and talks about, and you're experiencing plagues and, and 
pestilence and you're experiencing problems in your, your crops and your life. And it's not, um, it's not because you don't have enough to give. It's because you're not giving that you're experiencing this. Because you're not trusting me, I've allowed, I've allowed the plagues, I've allowed the things to happen because you've not pushed your, put your trust in me. Sometimes he, he allows it, sometimes he sends it so that he can wake up the people of God. He says, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, he, do, he does that throughout Scripture because of our parting ways with him or our rebellion towards him, of, of our not honoring him. When he commands locusts to devour our crops and sends plagues, when these things happen because we fall in away from Him, because we are not humble before Him, because we are, not, we are not dependent on God anymore. But we're dependent on our crops. We're dependent upon our stuff. Beware of people who promise you the moon that can't give you anything, really. Who gives us everything that we deserve or need? It's God and God and Him alone. But if my people, who are His people, Today, who are His people? If we are called by His name, what is His name? Jesus. Followers of Christ will humble themselves and pray and seek My face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal God's not going to shut down Wall Street after this election. God's not going to shut down the government. God's not going... Those things are going to still happen because we live in a real world. But what does He want to really do? He wants to heal our land. He wants to heal the hearts of men and women. Church, I want you to be resilient during this season to make first things a priority. Don't let this process appeal to your base nature. Don't let this process of of politics allow some people or some parties or some organizations to pull out of you what is ungodly. But let God pull out of you something that is godly. To call out and to cry out and say, God, we are in a mess. Some of the things that these pundits are saying are true. There is anger. There is hurt. There is loss. There is fear. There is all these things going on. But what is the solution? Some talking head or the God of all gods who can heal the land? And if we as a church, and I'm not just talking about the river church, but may the church hear me through these walls. If the church would grab a hold of this truth and walk in humility, walk in prayerfulness, exhibit holiness and decency and honor and integrity for people who don't agree with me. 
dignity for human life, both in the womb and to the aged that are living, that we would say you matter because you're a human and God created you, so I'm going to treat you with worth and honor. We need this process to awaken us to the depravity of our people. These people that are on stage are just representing where we are as a nation. Let's not put our attention on them near as much as we put our attention on God. Would you grab a hold of the hearts of our people? Would you you stir afresh in us, the church, but outside of this church, a, a hunger for the living God? Would you stir within us a desire for what is decent and right and true about about us as humans that are made in the image of that kind of God? And would you allow love and mercy and grace to be extended through our lives instead of hatred and anger and division? I want America to be great again, but I want a great America that's defined by humility. That's defined by by honesty, that's defined by compassion and generosity, that's defined by uh, serving the least of these, that's defined by those things. Don't you? Isn't that Scripture? So can we pray? Ben, can I have you come up? I want us to pray this morning. And I don't really want you to pray about the primaries or the general elections. I want you to pray for the people that are putting those people into office. I want you to pray for yourselves. I want you to pray for your neighbors. I want you to pray that something transformational happens within these next few months, that it it's not, it's not some crazy political thing that's going on, but there's some crazy supernatural Holy Spirit thing going on that is overrunning the networks. It's overrunning the poles because people are alive to God again. People are desperate for a touch from heaven. People are not um, longing to see what other, what other kind of sin can we promote as good. But what kind of act of righteousness, what kind of disposition of humility and love can we find in the presence of Jesus? Amen? I am so sorry if you're visiting for the first time. Partially. And why I say that is is that this isn't normal. But it can be. And it might be. So, if this alarms you, what I'm doing, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'm not. I, I uh, what am I, what am I, what am I really saying? Pray. Thank you. Thank you, Dave, for getting me back on track. <laughs> but we really do want to pray, and I want to release you in this way. We pray in different ways. Sometimes the way that we pray most effectively is we turn to somebody we know or don't know and we say, would you agree with me? And I'm going to give you some prayer points here in a second. And we, we ask, we ask a, a smaller group or a couple of people to pray with us. That would be fine for you to do. 
Sometimes we're so struck by the truth that God is speaking to us, we see oftentimes throughout Scripture that in the presence of God, in the revelation of what God's doing, people fall on their face in front of God and pray. You can do that too. Sometimes we pray by listening. That's not praying. Yeah, it is. Praying is just communion with God. So sometimes I speak, but sometimes God speaks to me, and that's prayer. Some of us might just need to listen and let God convict us or stir us. We're going to be in a season, uh, I felt like the Lord said this week, you need to mark out March as a season for prayer and fasting. So I don't know what that's actually going to look like, but we're going to do that. So get ready. Because we need to pray. I felt convicted. I was getting so stirred up by what was going on 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 the stage. I felt like the Lord said, is that where the battle is, Sean? So I'm preaching to myself. If you feel like I'm preaching to you, don't. Because I'm just preaching it means you're getting to hear me preach to myself. I felt like the Lord said, but there is call to action in you. There is a season of this. Take action and let this season be to the glory of the Lord. Pray. 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 So, you can get out of your seat if you want to. You can turn to your neighbor if you want to. You can sit there if you want to. You can stand if you want to. But I'm going to let the worship team play behind us. I think it would be okay for us to sing. If you have a a song that comes to mind that we want to sing, you can. But you don't have to sing. As a matter of fact, let that be the secondary thing that you do. What I want you to do is really be stirred to pray. Okay? But there might be times where the song helps you center in on what God's doing. So I want you to pray. I want you to pray for the people of our land.